Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Well, I'll add my Happy New Year's to everyone else's. We're almost one week, can't believe it, into 2020. And if you're like me, uh, probably already reneged on some of those New Year's resolutions, right? You know, to exercise more, uh, eat less, stop binging on Netflix, <laughs> maybe read your Bible more. No, actually, I, I never started my resolutions until January 7th, and there's a good reason because January 6th is my birthday. Yeah, so, yeah, that is tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> And uh, the reason is I wanted to eat as much chocolate as I wanted, and I wanted to definitely devour the carrot cake with cream cheese frosting, and I wanted to basically just spend the entire day doing nothing and being as decadent as my Christian self would allow. Okay, but resolutions don't work. I mean, statistically, they tell us 8%, I think it's less than that, of us actually stick with our resolutions. They don't work. So why do we make them? We make them because we want to be better people, right? We actually want to experience transformation. And do you know that's a God-given desire? You know, we're made in God's image, right? And he is the one who puts in us the desire to be fully human, to be fully alive, to be healthy and holy. And so that's from God. So how how do we make that happen? How do we experience life transformation, whether that's just like getting out of debt, you know, loving our spouse more, controlling our temper, you know, eating less, whatever the habit might be. We want to know, how do we experience life transformation? And again, I want to say, you know, like it or not, resolutions have been proven not to work, okay? And I have a lifetime of experience of that right now. Resolutions don't work. You know, I think back to the the story I used to read all of my children, the little engine that could, what did he say? I think I can, I think I can. It's just bad theology. (laughs) No, it is because it's all about self-effort. And when you come to Christ, the self dies. Oh, okay, so how does this work? How do we actually experience life transformation? Well, I found one thing for sure that will bring life transformation to you. And are you ready for it? It is this, good habits. Nobody clapped. (laughs) No, there are few things that can have a more powerful impact on our lives than just simply improving our daily habits. And I say, with the Holy Spirit's help. You see, it's never, again, about self-effort. It's about you know, a partnership. That's the way we live. We live in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And he loves to deposit grace. You know what grace is? That's God's empowering to do what we can't do on our own. And he loves to empower us to deposit that grace in our life that we can experience 
good habits and transformation. Now, most of you know what a habit is, right? It's just a behavior, a routine that we perform regularly and often automatically. And habits can be good or bad. You know, good habits, you regularly brush your teeth, right? And maybe you drink eight glasses of water a day. Maybe you read your Bible every day. Uh, there's all kinds of good habits. You hang up your wet towels, right, Hep? You know, like whatever, whatever the habit might be, there's lots of good habits, okay? But habits can be bad, and you know this too. You know, you fell asleep again just because you wanted to watch another episode of Stranger Things on Netflix. You know, you ate another donut in addition to the two that you already ate. You know, you don't floss regularly. You're overcharging. We have lots of bad habits. Why are bad habits so easy to, you know, continue? Because they're fun. You know, like short-lived fun, okay? But, you know, in the moment, they seem fun. And why are good habits so difficult to form and maintain? That's something we're going to look at in this series. And... It's, it, there are very real reasons. And so we're asking, how do we experience life transformation? And what do good habits have to do with that? And we're talking about habits in all aspects of our life. We're only going to focus in this series on habits of the body, the spirit, and the mind. And today I'll look at body habits. But the truth is we are just this total being. Never separate yourself into compartments, okay? Because, you know, you don't get good sleep at night in your body. You better believe you'll wake up and you will, your mind will be fuzzy and you will be one grumpy person with the persons in your relationships, right? So one, one bad habit in one area, you overspend, you experience emotional anxiety. You know, so all of it is interconnected. Well, this is the good news. God wants us healthy and whole and holy. <laughs> and he has provided everything we need for that to happen. And our new message series, Holy and Whole, Habits for Transformation, are going to take a look at what God has not just to say, but what he's provided for us to live a transformed life. Let's pray. We're so grateful, Father. You don't just instruct us. You empower us. I'm so grateful, Holy Spirit. You know every person here. You've already numbered the hair on their heads. You know the battles and the struggles. And you're here today to help us live differently, to walk in the transformation that Jesus made possible. So come, teach us today, change us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my message is entitled, New Creation, New Habits. So I'm going to open with a familiar text in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I'm reading from the Passion Bible, and I want to invite you to read along. It'll be on the screen, so if you don't have this, that's fine. And this is the Apostle Paul writing, and this is what he says. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely, say it with me, new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Now, the reason I love the Passion Bible, the footnotes. <laughs> I know. Um, listen to what the footnote 
to this scripture text says in defining what this new creation is all about. This would include our old identity, our life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, and our old mindsets. We are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new by our union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Wow, this is really good news. You know, you're not a fixer-upper, you know, or a potential extreme makeover candidate. No, you're totally new. You are new. A new creation. This is both a, it's stunning. It's stunning. It's almost unbelievable. But it is the truth. We are made new. We are both holy. Like all the old sinful, that's gone. Old mindsets, that's gone. You are both holy and whole in your body and in your mind, in your spirit, in your entire being. We often uh, describe this experience as being born again, which is a good description because it's like a baby being born. You're a newborn. And that is wonderful and that's joyful. We are a new creation. But the euphoria wears off. Why? Well, it's frustrating. You know, it's fr frustrating to know I I'm a new creation, but I'm still stuck in some old ways. I'm still addicted to chocolate. You know, I still get angry with my kids. I, I still continue to overspend. Uh, wh whatever it is, the the I, I know I'm new, but what, what is this old stuff hanging around for? I thought I was a new creation. Well, again, I want to emphasize, resolutions are not the solution. It's not like, okay, now I got I to figure out how to make this a reality. I, I, I've got to try harder, you know, be more spiritual. Be... No, resolutions are not the solution. But there are two things that I'm going to look at right now that will make a big difference in living as a new you, as a new creation. Now understand, these are just two things, there's lots of things, but two things I'm going to look at, and it is this. We are truly a new creation, there's no doubt about it, it's a glorious truth. But there is no instant transformation in, in many areas of our life. There's no instant transformation. You want to know why? If there was instant transformation, if I was just instantly transformed into this, wow, super spiritual, healthy, whole, in every aspect of my life, why do I need Jesus anymore? Oh, no, no. It's a relationship with him. It's a dependence on him. But you see, it's, it's a relationship of love and acceptance, and, and he's, we're partnering. He's for me. I, I'm not trying to be what he's made me, we're doing it together. So there's no instant transformation, no, but there is constant cooperation with the Holy Spirit. You know, it says there, you know, through our union with Christ, you know, we're made new through Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. We're made totally new, but we're not left then to live this life by ourselves. He actually comes by his spirit and lives inside of us. You know, <laughs> so constant cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And that allows us then to walk as a new creation. I want to look at just this instant transformation for a second because I think people get discouraged by that. And sometimes there is instant transformation. 
I have a good friend who's in this church. And when she said yes to Jesus and he became the Lord of her life, she was smoking five packs of cigarettes a day. That's a lot of nicotine. And it was the next day after she made that decision, she took out the pack of cigarettes in her purse, she placed it on the shelf, and that, my friends, was 30 years ago. She's never smoked another cigarette. She was instantly transformed. And I'm grateful for that. You know, just this week, Kathy and I had dinner with a couple from the church, and we were asking them about their story, and in the process, we were talking about, you know, a very hot topic in Champaign-Urbana and Illinois is the legalization of marijuana. And the, the husband was telling us, oh, I was a total druggie. I mean, I smoked marijuana day and night. I even did co cocaine, some other stuff. He said, but when I met Jesus, he said, overnight, it was all gone. I had no desire. I'm like, wow. Again, instant transformation. And that's pretty glorious with an addiction, right? He said, but it was interesting as, you know, January 1 approached and the whole legalization issue, you know, was on his mind. He was like, hmm, you know, now that it's legal, you know, maybe I, you know, hey, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean it's moral or good, but he said, no, now that it's legal. And then he heard the Lord say, have you asked me about it? It's like, oh, and when he did, the Lord said, after all I've done for you. And I thought that was powerful. And I'm not putting out an opinion necessarily on any of that other than to tell you the story that this man was instantly transformed. Now, many of us, we do experience transformation in, in many areas of our life. But like I, for one, after I met Jesus, I didn't instantly stop worrying. I was a worrier and anxious. I had to learn new habits I had to learn new habits of what? Casting my care over on Jesus. And that can, again, be in so many areas of our life. We have to learn to live as a new creation. And that's where habits help. And the Holy Spirit is so good about helping us with that. And that's why I say constant cooperation with the Holy Spirit, who is the habit helper. You know, one of the names for the Holy Spirit is helper. He genuinely wants to help, and he is living help. And that's true help when it comes to areas of our life where we're struggling, you know, where we're wanting transformation and things aren't changing. We need the Holy Spirit's help. And two ways that he helps us, particularly in the area of habits, number one, he helps us live in our new identity as a new creation, he helps us get rid of old habits, and then he begins to train us and equip us in new habits that work for you. Like, each of us is very different, and so this is what I love. He's like individualized, like an IEP, individualized education program for each of us when it comes to developing good habits. So he's so good. He helps us live in the reality of this new creation. I want to look at that just for a moment because it's so important. Our church has been on this journey for about 10 years now of really agreeing with, I am actually a new creation. <laughs> I mean, I am holy. I'm whole in his eyes. You know, many of us came out of religion 
you know, that quoted verses to us like, be holy as the Lord himself is holy. Be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. And all we lived under was a heavy, you know, yoke of guilt and condemnation, trying harder to be holy and trying to be perfect. And then when we discovered, wait a minute, what do we think the finished work of Jesus is all about? It's about making us brand new, holy and whole right now in his eyes. And more important than that, a revelation of how deeply he loves us. How, how very pleased he is with each of us, not disappointed. So longing to assist us to grow into the reality of living a transformed life as a new creation. Not hanging it over us as, well, come on now, live up to what I say you are. It's like, no, no, no. I paid a big price for you to be that. Now I will empower you to be exactly what I have made you to be. I often like to look at this whole idea of being a new creation. And one of the lessons the Holy Spirit uh, emphasizes for me is I like to uh, look at it like a heart transplant. Okay? So we all have a, a heart transplant when we come to Jesus. As a matter of fact, the prophet Ezekiel, speaking for God, said it this way. This is what was going to be available for all of us under the new covenant. He said, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Wow. We have a holy, whole, cre new creation, amazing heart. But many of us don't live that way. But I want you to think about a heart transplant patient. You ask any cardiologist, right? When they go in and they find that diseased heart, that sick heart, they take that heart out. They put a brand new one in. If they left them both in, life's over, right? But many of us have ascribed to the belief that, well, you know, there's kind of a sinful me. You know, then there's a more spiritual me. Like I'm half clean, half new, half saint, and then I'm half sinful, half dirty, half sick. I, kinda, I have two hearts. And however the imagery is that you've grown up with, it might be, you know, the devil on one shoulder, angel on other. You know, bad dog, good dog. I don't care. It's a bunch of baloney because we have one new brand, holy and whole heart, purchased by the blood of Jesus. And it's amazing. Now, but like a heart transplant patient, guess what? We have to actually learn how to live with a new heart. You know, if you got a new heart over at Carl Hospital, you better stop eating Doritos and vegging out on the couch, right? And in the same way, we, with our new hearts, have to learn to stop eating spiritual junk food, you know, being sluggish in our spiritual life. We need to learn new habits, how to live with our new heart. And so, Holy Spirit's so, so good at that. Now, new heart, new habits. And these habits, you know, New creations need new habits to live in the reality of our new identity. That's my main point there. Okay, now, get down to the nitty-gritty here. How does the Holy Spirit train us with new habits? Because this is where I think we've gotten mixed up and not understanding. I love it when God brings resources across my path and, um, you know, it's like, 
whoa, Lord, you're just like confirming, you know, the truth of who you are and how you work. And one of these uh, in the recent times was a book called Atomic Habits. Anybody here read that book by James Clare? Okay, so um, I stumbled onto this book, and it's a best-selling book on habits. But what's so exciting is, as I read it, I realized, I don't know if this guy's a Christian or not, but he has it totally right. And I'll tell you, from two, two aspects. Don't get scared by the title, Atomic Habits. Okay, it's like, no, it has a double meaning. One, we often make the mistake with habits of, like, taking on a really big, okay, it's the new year, I'm going to do 60 minutes of cardio, I'm going to be at the Y at 6 a.m. every day, I'm going to read three chapters in my Bible, and I'm going to throw out all the sugar in my house. That's big. That's like, no, 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 start with an atom, just a tiny thing, okay? 10-minute walk, okay? 10-minute walk. Only get rid of the M&Ms, not the other stuff, you know, or whatever. Okay, so, and, but the thing is, as you... as you increase, you know, the tininess, then eventually you have atomic change. You have big change in your life, right? With small, starting small. So that's talking about the right size. His book is fabulous. We have it here in the bookstore, but you can also, you know, get it online. But secondly, and this is what I want to focus on, which I thought was so revolutionary and so biblical, was we get the order mixed up when it comes to forming habits and maintaining habits. So he has this diagram, and he says there's three levels of behavior change. So you start out on the outer layer, and that's the outcomes. That's the behavior you want to change. I want to lose 10 pounds. Then you move into the next one. That's the processes. Okay, what are the habits I need to uh, adopt in order to lose 10 pounds? Okay, you know, I'm going to go on a 1,000-calorie-a-day diet. Okay, that's my habit. And then in the middle is identity. But he said, we have it all wrong. See, identity is what we believe. It's really important what you believe about yourself. And we've learned this, obviously, as believers, right? Because he said, people make the mistake. You know, you start with a big goal, and you, you institute a habit, but you never change the belief. You know, well, I'm still a person who struggles with my weight. I'm still a person who eats too much sugar. You know, I'm still... No, no, no. What do we know? I'm whole. I'm healthy. I'm made in the image of God. And guess what? I know I'm secure in my identity. And on that basis, I adopt a new habit. And then pretty soon, I have an amazing outcome. So he details all that. But I'm going to illustrate it now with a story from my own life. And uh, this goes all the way back to 1969 when I was a freshman at the University of Illinois. And I did what many freshmen do. I gained the freshman 15 pounds, that is. So that's, you know, from stress, late night pizza, lots of candy. I mean, I mean, the dorm food, you, you folks, if there's any U of I students in here, oh, you have salad bars, you know, you have choices. We got one tray of starchy food, folks, okay, one tray. And so, you know, it's all this, and yeah, I mean, yes, I wasn't a believer, so yeah, I mean, quite a few beers at camps, but all that to say, I put on 15 pounds in no short order. My clothes didn't fit. I was miserable. Okay, so I march over to McKinley Health Center. I meet with the doctor, and I say, you know, help, and he weighs me. He goes, yes, you definitely need help, and so we decided on an outcome, you know, a goal. I was going to lose 15, maybe even more, 
pounds. I, you know, struggled a little bit in high school too. So he's like, okay, here's a book. It detailed the calorie count of all kinds of foods. He prescribed a very low calorie diet. I don't remember, like a thousand, I don't know, calories a day. And said, okay, so now you have your outcome. You're going to lose 15 pounds. You have your strategy, your process. You're going to cut down on your calories. And then viola, you know you're going to be happy once again and fit into your clothing. Not. So I go back, and the entire plan is a disaster. First of all, I'm starving the entire time, okay? And I'm working in the slop kitchen of the dorm cafeteria. Sorry, it's the only job I could get. And I'm scraping people's food off their trays and thinking, I want to eat this stuff. I mean, that's like the prodigal son and the pigs die, right? No, it's true, though. I was so hungry. And so this plan is a total flop. Why? Well, I never addressed the identity piece. I see myself as, like, trapped in this sugar addiction, this carb addiction, this late-night eating. I, I mean, I'm just... I'm now fat. I'm a fat person. I eat like a fat person. And in spite of all of my attempts... And believe you me, I instituted quite a few rules. Uh, I became obsessed with losing weight. I decided to start fasting. Fasted every Monday, only allowed myself 10 pieces of the world's greatest bubble gum. They no longer make it. And that's all I would eat. And all that gave me was two root canals. And so, no, it's, it's you know, all my attempts... I'd have resolution after resolution. By the weekend, everything was gone, and I gained more pounds. I had become, in my identity, a total obsessive, compulsive eater, long before eating disorders were a diagnosis. Okay? So uh, that was my identity now. And surely I'm not achieving, by any means, the outcome that I want. Okay. Fast forward. Junior year make two of the best decisions of my life. Get married to Happy, my husband, and I meet Jesus. But things didn't get better. They didn't get better at all. I lost a little weight for the wedding. That was only because I starved myself again, only to be right back in a worse position. Why? Because now I have my own kitchen. And guess what? I can make a whole batch of chocolate chip cookies and eat the whole dang thing. And nobody knows. No, it's funny now, but it wasn't back then because I was so ashamed. I felt like such a failure. I felt like I had no self-control. And now I'm a Christian. That even made it worse, right? And now, now that I'm married, I actually have some money. And that means, because of HAP. And so, <laughs> so that means I could walk to the Osco and I could buy several, at least two, maybe three, Pound bags of M&M's, you always need both peanut and plain. You know, that's the best, mix them. And then I'd eat the whole thing, like in one, two sittings. So my, uh, and the, the pattern that I was trapped, I, it, it was horrible. Vicious, vicious, vicious. It was nonstop. I think the worst thing, if any of you have struggled with this, you obsess over food. Like you think constantly, what am I going to eat? Okay, you dream about it. You, you, you obsess. It's, it's very, it's your, because your identity is I'm an obsessive compulsive eater. That's who I am. And I saw myself as a fat failure. I think the lowest of low points was when my mother-in-law sent me the most, oh, these things are incredible, sugar cookies, homemade, four dozen. And I said to Hap, you've got to help me. 
because you, you got to help me. He goes, yes, honey, I will. So he promptly took the four dozen sugar cookies and he buried them in the hamper covered with dirty clothes. They were in a Tupperware. Yeah, so don't worry about that. I'm not kidding you. I found them almost immediately and it wasn't a word of knowledge. You know, and I ate at least half of them. I don't remember. Okay. Then, okay, now... Just in case you want a timeline. So this started in 69, now it's 77. So folks, this is like no overnight problem that I had, okay? And by the way, you know, if you looked at me, it, it, I kept my weight, quote, under control, you know, I, with the additional pounds, but not, you know, like if you looked at me, you wouldn't think I struggled at all. And that's a mistake a lot of us make. We judge people, stop judging. You don't know what's going on. You don't know. A lot of people with eating disorders look very thin, and yet they're binging and purging. And, and, and other people who are heavy, they've got all kinds of things. Don't judge people. You don't know. We only know that when your identity gets changed and is solidified, transformation comes. Because it's now 1977, and I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, which was transforming for me in so many ways. But what was News to me, Happy and I were not in a spirit-filled church. I had no idea of this truth that he, the Holy Spirit began to unfold for me that, is, that changed my life, changed my identity. And it is this from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.19. He's writing to people who have bad habits, habits of sex, habits of eating, habits of drinking, just habits of lifestyle. He's writing to them. And this is what he says to them in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Have you forgotten? Well, I never knew. That your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you. You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. I know that's not news to a lot of you, but I want you to know that changed everything for me. My identity no longer was as a fat failure, obsessive compulsive eater trying to get things under control. It was, oh my goodness, he has chosen to live inside of me. He loves my body. He's actually moved inside of me. I have become his sanctuary. He goes on. This is what really got it for me. You were God's expensive purchase. Paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then use your body to bring glory to God. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, Jesus, you gave your body so I could be whole. So that I could be a fit dwelling place for you. And then you've moved inside to empower me to live differently. He had paid a huge price. It, it blew me away. That my identity had shifted and I saw what Jesus had really done and who he had made me and the fact that my body belonged to him. And I definitely wanted to use my body to bring glory to him in the way that I ate and the way that I lived, the, the way my mind worked, that it wasn't obsessed about food. 
Now, this was not self-help. No, spirit help. And I want you to know you always have a choice when it comes to this. And, the, and Paul makes that clear. He says, it's true. Our freedom allows us to do anything. But that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. I'm free to do as I choose. But this is my favorite part. I choose to never be enslaved to anything. Some have said, I eat to live. Others, and I live to eat. And Paul goes on in that passage and he says, but God's going to do away with it all. The body wasn't created for illicit sex, you know, and compulsive eating and drinking. He said the body was created to serve and worship our Lord Jesus, but he doesn't leave us there. He says, who can fill the body with himself? Now, this was a journey, obviously. No instant transformation, but a powerful change in my identity. So powerful. And the Holy Spirit began to teach me, what does that look like now for me to know that God lives in me? My body belongs to him. He's bought it with an incredible price. He wants me to be holy and whole. Well, I had to, again, intentionally cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And... You know, there was a whole process. Obviously, my goal was not just to lose weight. It was to stop obsessing about food, to live a normal life, to, if I want to eat papadels tonight, I eat papadels, but I don't eat three pizzas anymore. You know, whatever the plan. And he gave me incredible insight to my own self. I was addicted to chocolate. And he said, die. You think ridding your house of chocolate is the solution? You don't have to depend on me then, do you? To this day, I keep so much chocolate in my house. And guess what? The Holy Spirit has taught me, just have a handful here or there. And if I want more, I can go right to the drawer and there it is, right? So there's a lot of things. I won't bore you with that because you're you. Your metabolism is you. Your body, you've had a history with your body and with your family, with you know, your habits. And he knows exactly what it is that needs to change for you. And I love that he not just cares about our eating. He actually cares, you know, about our exercise. Again, you know, we're in an exercise-obsessed culture, right? And when the Holy Spirit started talking to me about it, I said, I hate the gym. And I only go to a gym to watch a sporting event. He said, well, what do you love? I love the outdoors. I love the sidewalk. I love the swimming pool. So start small, 10 minutes a day, then 20 minutes a day. Now, Happy and I walk together, best marriage therapy ever, 60 minutes a day. Oh, but die, not in the cold. You're absolutely crazy. Of course in the cold. This is Illinois. If, you're, if your exercise plan is walking, you better wear long underwear, right? <laughs> so, but I love the Holy Spirit has, you know, he's, I'm having fun with it because it's been a long journey, but I want to invite you into the journey. I want to invite you into the Holy Spirit shifting your identity in regards to your body, seeing it as the holy dwelling place of the Almighty God who loves you deeply, who knows you intimately, who is so ready to instruct you in the steps that you need to take to walk in the wholeness that he paid a really big price for, to show you the habits that will work for you. Now, again, all throughout this journey, so it's been many, many years now, you know, over 40 years, I've had to shift a lot of things. 
See, that's what it means to walk with the Lord. You don't just get a strategy and run off. No, no, no. Because I gave birth to five babies and breastfed five babies and fed a family of seven. And now I turn 69 tomorrow and my metabolism isn't what it used to be. But guess what? It's okay. The Holy Spirit's just adjusting. What is the, what is the process? Because the outcome's going to be the same. Based on my identity, I will live as a holy and whole, indwelt child of the Almighty God, a new creation with new habits. And I want to invite you to know, failure, don't let that sabotage you. We're Christians. You, there's forgiveness for failure. That's what I love. Every morning is a fresh start. So there's forgiveness for failure and there's strength for success. You don't have to worry about that because I made many, many, many mistakes and failed many times. Don't let that stop you. I want to challenge you this week with your new identity of being that dwelling place of God who loves your body. You choose two small steps, Adam-like steps, where you can begin to change something in regards to, you know, your eating or maybe your sleeping or your drinking or even your sex life. All things that we do with our body. Trust me, the Holy Spirit is eager to bring to you life transformation through holy habits. So Father, we're grateful. You're such a good Father. You train us, you equip us, but you don't leave us there. You come and live in us to make sure the transformation happens. Thank you for your love. We will worship you today, celebrating the incredible work of Jesus on our behalf. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.